figure, you were the trigger. You brought me to an obstructed view when I knew the future was bigger. Who my kid is, since from the beginning. You ruined everything. You ruined every time. You were my enemy. You are no friend of mine. Okay. Just hear me out. Okay. Welcome to Rose Experience. That Janae Aiko song, Trigger, is something that I wanted to speak on because people really don't understand what a trigger is. So this is a trigger warning. I might say a few things that might make a couple people feel some type of way, but welcome to the healing journey, babe. This is uh, season three, episode two of the Rosie Experience. I have been talking to you guys through my experiences for the past few months, and this past month when I was staying to myself, going through a lot, I wasn't making very many podcasts, but I just want to let y'all know I stopped drinking and I stopped smoking. I literally have not touched it since Easter, and I realized that I had a lot of triggers. Weed and alcohol were definitely big triggers for me because it was my coping mechanism, and I did not even realize that they were coping mechanisms, but hear me out, baby. If the only time that you pick up a bottle is when your feelings are hurt or when something don't sit right or when there's something going wrong in your family or at work or in your relationship or with your children, then you have a problem. You might not see it as a problem, because me, I didn't. I didn't even start drinking until I was 20. I'm like, I'm 29, I don't even drink it for nine years. I don't drink every day. But God humbled me. My children had gotten sick and I had issues with daycare, so I had to stay home for a whole month. And that whole month, I was picking up a bottle four or five times a day. Didn't even realize that that's what I was doing until somebody that I used to be acquainted with was like, every time that we talk, you're drinking, you're an alcoholic. Now it hurt my feelings, but then I had to think about it. You know, I'm on the self-healing journey. When your feelings get hurt, why are they hurt? Is it because it's the truth or is it because it's something that kind of rattles your soul? What is it? It rattled my soul definitely because alcoholism is a big part of my family. Both of my grandpas died from kidney failure from being alcoholics their whole life. Um, both of my parents were alcoholics for most of their life. My mom has been clean for, I want to say, about two years. My dad, I don't really speak to him very much, so I don't know if he still drinks or not, but I know that he's not uh, relying on it heavily anymore. Um, but all of my siblings, except for one, drinks heavily. So, like, alcoholism has been a part of my family, and even distant family drinks a lot. So, yeah, when I was told that I was an alcoholic, it really set me aside from myself, and I started to think about it, and I'm like, when do I drink? Okay, well, I've been at home for a whole month. Usually, I'll just have a glass of wine at night, you know, no problem with that, right? But then it turns into, I'm at home all day, so I'm having a glass of wine all day. So that means if I wasn't having to work, if I was just at home, I would be a wino. So yes, I was an alcoholic, and I didn't even realize it had turned into that, but it did. So on Easter, I had a situation that kind of rattled my soul a lot. It was a trigger, and I ran to alcohol. And so I said, no more. I did not pick the bottle up anymore after Easter. But I also didn't smoke anymore either, because that was the way that I used to escape my abuse. When I was in an abusive relationship with my children's father, I would just go hurry up and roll up a blunt. Every time he would hurt my feelings, every time he would abuse me, I made sure that I was heavily medicated because I couldn't feel the pain anymore. When you're high, you like the way Cat Williams had explained this, like he basically say, to get everything. When you're high, 
nothing matters anymore. And that's really the truth. Honestly, I had so many thoughts. My brain was always moving, but once I would get high, I could barely even remember how to breathe. I literally would have to sit there and explain to myself, breathe in, breathe out, inhale, exhale. Like, yeah, that's how high I would be. So I was escaping and it was an addiction. So I literally just set it down, decided just not to touch it. And about 10 days after I stopped, well, I want to say maybe two weeks after I stopped, I got baptized. I just got baptized last Sunday, May 1st. And I've been talking to God much closely, much more closely than I was. I already was very close to God. I already talked to God. God saves me from a lot. Like I said before in my podcast, I've been in a room with a lot of dangerous people, but I'm still alive. My children are still alive. I've never been shot. My children have never been shot. Like, God has always protected us. Um, but now that I'm baptized, I understand the meaning of baptism. Um, I would not have done it had I not understood it because I've been asked to be baptized a few times and I've thought about it, but I didn't really completely understand it. You know, you can read about it, but you got to feel it. At least that's for me. I had to feel it. Nobody's going to force me to do anything I don't feel. And um, God told me it was time. And it's a marriage between me and God in the sense that no matter what, I will never let go. Like, I was with a guy for seven years. We were married, and I never let go of him, and he was abusing me. God's not going to abuse me. He was cheating on me. God's not going to cheat on me. He was literally everything that I thought that I needed and wanted, but really, I didn't need him at all. And I had to stop wanting him to leave him. Now, with Jesus, I want God. I love God. I need God. So why would I leave him? So now that I'm married to God, like, this is literally my public declaration that no matter what I go through, because I'm still not perfect, I still do say curse words sometimes, I try not to, but hey, I'm human. I still do and say things that I shouldn't be doing or saying, but the fact that I understand that God has my back no matter what, and as long as I repent, and as long as I realize that I'm wrong, and I talk to God about it, I'm still saved, I'm still on my way to salvation. It's the people who act like they're not doing anything wrong, who act like everything is fine. They're still saves people who do that. They act like they never did nothing wrong in their life, but really they're out there sitting all the time. Those are the people that try to make you think that they're saved, but they're really not. I'm saved because my mind has changed. I don't want to, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to live a dangerous lifestyle. There's still things in my life that I need to fix, that I need to clean up. But I'm working towards it, and I'm going to continue to work towards it, and that's all you can do, is just keep working towards it and keep trusting in God. So that's why I got baptized. But outside of that, the whole trigger that I wanted to talk about, because like I said, this is a trigger warning. God is here for me, but there are things that have happened in my life that if I ever see anything similar to it, it brings me back to the old me. It's triggers, and I don't like it. Like, let's say if I'm cooking and someone says, oh, this food is not hot enough, I'm automatically going to get quiet and I might even, like, flinch a little bit. Because when I was in my relationship, if his food was not hot enough, he would throw the whole plate at me. Not only would he throw the whole plate at me, he would be like, now, bitch, pick it up. Clean it up. And literally would stand over me until I cleaned it up. And if I wasn't cleaning it up fast enough, he would hit me while I cleaned it up. Things like that, I don't have to deal with anymore, but it still affects me mentally because it's like, I really lived through that. But I was high as a kite. I was so high. 
I was going through that stuff, I wasn't going through it. My body was, but Rosie was not there. Rosie was in the clouds somewhere. But now that I don't do that stuff anymore, I'm not in the clouds anymore. Now I can actually sit and realize things that I put myself through. I put myself through it. Because the first time he threw a plate at me, I should have called the police on him. I shouldn't have fought him. So I was pregnant the first time he threw a plate at me. I should have called the police on him and told them to get him out of my house. Or I should have called one of my family members on him. But I didn't. I never did that. Never. So I put myself through it because I was trying to protect my image and protect him. But no more. My image and a person that I think I love is not more important than my salvation, than my children, than my mental health. It's not more important than any of that. So triggers are important. Like you need to know what your triggers are so that you can know what you need to work through. Because as long as there's still triggers to you, you still haven't worked through them, babe. And there's a lot of things I still have not worked through. I think back to just even music I would listen to. You know that song by uh, Luciano, the baby mama, she won't let me see my son. But you, you like that song? Okay. I like that song a lot. But I remember my children's father would, you know, listen to that a lot. His family would always talk about rumors about how he had a daughter when he was a teenager and the girl moved the daughter out of town to Texas because he was abusive. He swears up and down that that's not the case, that that girl had a baby. She was already pregnant when he got with her. It's not his baby, blah, blah, blah. But that's the same thing that he told me about his other baby mom. He has another baby mom who lives in Wichita. He told me that her child is not his, and that child looks exactly like him. So he does that. Like, when he when he puts women in a situation where they have to flee or they have to leave, he's going to say the child is not his. So I feel like he liked that song so much because he knew that he did something wrong to that girl, so he wanted everybody to feel like, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong, but... That, that to me is a trigger because now whenever that song comes on, I think, is he telling people that about me? Like, that song is a trigger to me now. I used to love that song, but now every time I hear that song, I'm like, I bet you he's telling people that I'm not S-H-I-T and I won't let him see his kids. You're right, I won't let you see your kids. That's because you stumped me out in front of your kids and literally broke my ribs a couple weeks after I had your baby. That's why you can't see your kids. You literally beat me in the head with a cup a McDonald's cup full of soda. Beat me in the head with the, the soda was all in my ear. Right in front of our kids. You were stumping me and punching me with those fish right in front of our kids and you did it probably four times that week. Four times that week until I finally had enough and called the police. So yeah, you can't see your kids. But that's why. But you know, when guys tell their side of the story, not just guys, anybody, period, they're going to tell it to you in a way that makes it seem like they didn't do anything wrong. And that's a person that isn't healed. He's not healed from whatever ch- childhood trauma, teenage trauma, adulthood trauma that he has. So he reflects it onto the women that he puts in his life. He still has unhealed things between him and his mother. And he reflects it onto the women in his life. And I know that because he's told me that before that I remind him of his mom and I don't see how because I act nothing like his mom but I remind him of his mom so I know he treats me the way that he does well treated me the way that he did because there's things that he wants to do and say to his mom that he knew he couldn't that she wouldn't let him she's not going to let him touch her but if she knows that he's hitting another female she's not going to do nothing about it she's going to tell the female that she'll do something about it but there was multiple times that I told her that he hit me or she saw bruises on me and asked what happened she never put her hands on him 
she always said, ooh, if I was there, I would have. But you're here right now, and you see the business. You're still not doing nothing to him or saying anything to him. So, um, yeah. He respects his mom, but he also doesn't respect her, if that makes sense. So that's why he is like that with women. So triggers, honestly, can go both ways. The aggressor has triggers, and the person being abused has triggers, too. So you got to realize what someone's triggers are. And if you, just being you, is a trigger to that person, you need to leave because there's nothing you can do to make that person stop hitting you. And I had to realize that. I was there for my kid's father through a lot. I used to hug him when he would cry about things. Like, I used to make sure that he was safe. I, I did a lot of motherly things for him that his own mother never did for him. And all he would do is take that so that he could feel better. Then once he felt better, he would start treating me like crap. I could always tell when he felt better because as soon as he felt better, that's when I started being called out of my name again. Started being hit again. So I was a trigger to him. There was something in me that he just did not like. And it didn't matter how good I was to him, how much I loved him. He was never going to like me. So I had to leave because you're going to wind up killing me. You dislike me this much, but you won't leave my house. He literally told me he is not going to leave my house until I put him in an apartment. I have to pay his bills at his apartment and buy him a car for him to leave my house. And if I don't do that, he's not leaving. That's literally the words he said to me. And when he said that, I realized I needed to go. And so I took my kids and went out of town because you're not going to force me to live in literal hell. Literal hell. Just because you don't have no money, you don't have any ambition to get a job to have money. Like... I was the type, if he would say something negative to me, I would just walk off, right? I don't want to argue with you. I know you're going to hit me anyways, so I realize I can't argue with you. You hit me anyways, why would I sit here and argue with you? I'm just going to walk off, but when I would walk off, he would follow me. And he would get in my ear and be like, yeah, internalize this, B. Internalize it. Like, he was literally the devil. If I didn't want to be around his negativity and I turn on some gospel music or some... Uh, some inspirational music, he would turn it off and turn on his devilish music on purpose and laugh in my face. And then he would be like, yeah, internalize it, be internalize it. Like he literally wanted my soul to be broken because his was. Instead of him realizing this girl, she don't sing because she happy. She does not care what's going on around her. She don't care if I'm abusing her. She don't care if I'm smacking her. She don't care if I'm making fun of her hair. She don't care if I'm threatening to kill her whole family. She's still going to smile. That made him mad. He hated the fact that I was always happy. So I really felt like he was overtaken by a demon. Because every time that I was happy, he would get mad at me. On my birthday, he started a fight with me that morning. Threw food in my face. And then, after that, he starts trying to cook me some... Uh, cake with the kids he was getting irritated at the kids so he starts cussing the kids out and threw some cake batter at them so I finished the cake myself then he comes back home and says he wants to help us ice it and then like during the day we're playing uh, board games he gets mad at me smacks me in my face while we're playing board games tells me that when I have my party he's gonna abuse me basically in front of everybody like he was just so negative my whole birthday which made me mad because I'm like, dude, your birthday was two weeks before my birthday. And on your birthday, I handed you $900 and you left to go be with a female. I know that's what he did. I gave him money on his birthday. And he literally was gone all day. 
I let him have a free day, which his whole life is free. He ain't got nothing. He doesn't have anything because he doesn't have the ambition to have anything. But anyways, on my birthday, I'm still dealing with all of the kids. And I'm dealing with your abuse. It's crazy. I had just had a baby a month before my birthday. My daughter was born on June 29th. My birthday is July 24th. She wasn't even a month old yet. And he was hitting on me already. And I had just had a C-section. I was already getting hit. That shows you how much he didn't care about me. But uh, a month after my birthday was when he stumped me in front of my kids. So yeah, broke my ribs, I had to leave. So I have a lot of triggers. It's just like, I would just deal with so much because I felt like not only was I protecting my image, but I was also protecting him because I didn't want him to wind up in jail. I don't even know who his real father is, but he tells me a story about a guy that he looks up to as a father that he calls his father and he talks about how this guy is in prison for life. His mom told me this guy isn't even in prison anymore because he's in prison for life. So I had like a warped reality of his life because he lied to me about so much things in his life. But anyways, I didn't want him to wind up in prison like his, his uh, fictional father that he had. I didn't want him to wind up in prison because he told me that his mother's been in prison and she told me that as well. So like I did not want him to wind up in prison so every time he would abuse me I'm like if I call the police he might go to jail so I didn't want that to happen to him but I was protecting him and killing me I'm still open c-section they take your organs out and set them on the table to take that baby out my organs weren't even fully in place yet they ain't even been long enough for me to go back to work yet and I'm already getting abused that's not okay I was already back working though I was I was working, uh, there was a, a corner store, a smoke shop, walking distance from my house that I was working. Already. He's not working at all, and I'm working. Um, so yeah, like, there was just so much things I went through, and my whole life was a trigger. And I just stayed high. I stayed high as a kite. Taking care of my kids, yes, of course. But my body wasn't, my body wasn't feeling what was going on, my body was there, my body was going through it, but my mind was not there at all, I couldn't feel what was happening to me, I couldn't see what was happening to me, my body was there, but I wasn't, I escaped it, so escapism is dangerous, it's something that you can literally turn off your feelings, your whole nervous system can be turned off, your brain can escape what is going on right now that's like time travel and I know how to do that with my body with my mind and I gotta stop doing that because when I disassociate my mind with my body it's a dangerous thing because you can be beating the crap out of my body and I won't feel it I don't like that I can do that because organs are real you can have organ failure when I went to the doctor with my broken ribs they told me you know your ribs aren't cracked all the way through but they are broken they are bruised they're bruised really badly. Um, if he would have stumped you any harder, your, your rib would have actually cracked and pierced your lungs. I was told that my lungs could have been pierced. You know, I would have needed probably a lung transplant or something. If, my, if he would have stumped me hard enough. Like, it goes way deeper than him just having an attitude. He could have killed me right there in front of my kids. That's not a life that I wanted. So I had to decide better. So if anybody is going through anything like that, you got to decide better. It don't matter how much you love somebody. If they don't even love themselves, if they don't even love their parents, if they don't even love their children, there is 
absolutely no way that they can love you and they will kill you. So you have to think like that. And I don't really have much else to say on the situation just because it's a very touchy situation for me. I can talk about things I've went through with a straight face now without even crying. I, I never really cried when I talked about it because I didn't feel it. I can tell you like a movie what happened to me, but I didn't feel it. But I know eventually I'm going to go through things and then I'm going to sit back and think about what I went through and I'm going to cry. I can't wait till I get to that point where I can cry. Because I used to get chastised when I would cry. My kid's father would not let me cry. He could cry. He barely cried, but he could cry. But if I cried or if the kids cried, he would beat us like we were slaves. So I'm so used to not crying because I knew that with crying comes getting hit in the face. Um, so I'm trying to get to a point where I am in tune with my emotions because right now, my body and my emotions are not together. They're disassociated with each other. Sometimes I'll just cry while I'm talking for no reason at all. But if somebody is doing something damaging to me, I'll just be quiet. And I feel like I have a frog in my throat, but I can't talk. My emotions and my body are not together right now. And that's what I'm working on trying to fix. So if anybody else is there, just know that you are not alone. But it's okay to cry. Crying actually cleanses your soul. Crying gets you closer to the Lord. Crying gets you closer to your inner self, to your soul. If you can't cry, you don't even know your own soul. You need to know your soul so that you can know what your purpose is on this life. Because we never know the day or the hour that we will be taken away from here. You want to make sure that you know God. Because even if you are living in sin, because we all sin, you want to go to God when you're taken from earth. You don't want to stay with Satan. Because hell is earth. I don't even know if there's a real literal pit fire hell because I feel like earth is hell. I feel like when you die, your soul is just ranging free on earth. Because earth is full of hell. Earth is full of bad spirits. All the people who die, in my head, I feel like they're still on earth. I could be wrong, but I haven't read the full Bible. But I feel like earth is hell. And heaven is amazing. And that's where I would like to be. So anyways, y'all, um, learn your triggers. Learn your partner's triggers. Learn anybody that you associate with is triggers. And if you realize that you being around them is a trigger, remove yourself for your own sake. Nobody knows that they're a killer until they kill. Nobody knows that they're an abuser until they abuse. Nobody knows that they are going to do anything until they actually do it. So if you're a trigger to somebody, remove yourself so they don't wind up doing it to you. Thank you for sending to the Rosie Experience, and y'all have a great day. It's time for me to go into work. Thank you.